season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Today, I'm excited to announce that Manscaped has launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit. For the everyday man that covers you from head to toe, literally, Manscaped is trust them below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. We all know how essential that Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for that precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with their Ultra Premium Collection. This package includes Manscaped Premium Deodorant, not, not for your balls, for your stanky armpits. This deodorant dries clear, is aluminum-free, and smells like their signature scent. Hydrating body moisturizer, half tattoos, or dry skin. It's designed to keep skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. Body wash, you'll add you up with your infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. The two-in-one two shampoo and conditioner, plus a free gift, a three-pack of lip balm get 20 off and free shipping is called doink at manscaped.com that's 20 off and free shipping is called doink at manscaped.com we also want to thank better help for sponsoring this episode not everyone is someone they can lean on and talk to that's where better help comes in with better help you have access to over twenty thousand licensed therapists it's not a crisis line it's not self-help it's professional therapy done securely online better help will assess your needs and match you with your own professional licensed therapist if you've ever searched for a counselor in the area you know it can take weeks or even months to get a phone call back with better help you can start communicating as little as 48 hours better help is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed you deserve to prioritize your mental health this year so get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com double time podcast and thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode today's episode is also sponsored by cool bet cool bet is the most transparent gaming company in the world cool bet also provides the best odds in canada with world-class customer service for first-time users use deposit go doink d-o-i-n-k doink for a one percent welcome bonus up to 200 dollars when signing up with cool bet that's code doink and cool belt match your first deposit up to 200 dollars give our friends at cool bet canada follow on instagram twitter and facebook at cool bet canada cool bet Stay cool and bet responsibly. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Dwelling Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. My co-host, Mr. Eric Warner, is with us like always. But today, we have a very special guest joining us. James Duthie, the face of TSN, is with us. James, how are you and your dog doing? Uh, thank you, uh, Brendan and, and Eric. Yeah, I, I always have to forewarn people on any sort of podcast that I go on that I have two dogs who uh, uh, are frequent interrupters of, of any podcast or radio interviews I do. So Hugo is... Uh, fine and then you got willow back here who's uh she's usually a little bit quieter but uh yeah they're 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 both absolutely nuts so uh that's my life most of the time tsn is just a part-time job i'm a full-time dog handler yeah that's what i was thinking that's what it says on your wikipedia page too so i think that's what everyone yeah. uh, everyone knows when they google your name that's all right. right james why don't we just jump into i'm gonna start with uh kind of the action from last night 
Austin Matthews scores three goals. He's up to 43 now on the season. I think he's the best player in the NHL right now. I don't even know if there's an argument to that, but I want to take this a little step further, James. Is Austin Matthews the greatest player to ever put on the blue and white? Yes. And I, I don't even think that's a debate. And, you know, old school people will say recency bias, and you can't say that in four years, and he's never done anything to play us. And Dougie and Mats and Davey Keon and so on and so forth. But he is a talent that the Toronto Maple Leaf organization has never seen. And uh, it's what he's doing right now. It's interesting what you said off the top, because I was just having a conversation with a, a friend of mine from Edmonton. And, you know, if, if you said, you know, Austin Matthews, the best player in the world over Connor McDavid, any time before or right about now, you would get laughed off. And probably in Edmonton, you'd still get laughed off. But, man, it's a, it's a worthy discussion right now. And I, I think Connor McDavid is everything that everybody thinks he is. But, you know, if you're a Leafs fan right now, would you trade Austin Matthews for Connor McDavid? I don't, I don't think you would, right? Uh, it's an incredible problem to have. But uh, the best player in the game right now, obviously the way he's playing, that can change week to week. But uh, a really worthy argument is whether he's the best player in the world. I've, it's, it's become, you have to watch, you know, every time, it's like the McDavid sense now where you kind of have to watch every time they're playing. Because it feels like, like last night that game started and I felt like he was going to get two or three from the first shift. You know, and how, how, often, how many players can you say that about? And that's a realistic feeling, right? It's just like, yeah, I, I feel like the guy's going to get at least two tonight probably three, and when he gets his third, it's like a shrug of the shoulders. And he plays people great are talking, defense. People too, are talking yeah. about 50 right now? Like, I'm, I'm looking at 60. Oh, yeah. yeah 100%. Like, 100%. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it, it's really fun to watch. Um, you know, I know TSN gets the Toronto thing all the time, but uh, this is one of those – and we have hype players. You know, we do overhype. The Toronto market overhypes Toronto Maple Leaf players 100%. But this is a case where – every little bit of the hype is deserved because he is incredibly special. Yeah. Matthews in that top line is just, they're on a run that I've never seen before, but I'm kind of a little concerned that we might be a one line team. <laughs> do you think that's a big concern or do you think there should be other more concerns like the defense or the goaltending? But I, I actually kind of feel like depth on forward is a bigger concern than people think. I think what's happened to the second line this year has been really strange. Um, you know, Tavares, there are nights where he still looks like the guy that, you know, you signed. And uh, I just saw, you know, a goal list since Matthews came into the league, total goals. And it was like, I think Ovi, uh, Ovi and Matthews were pretty much bang on. And Tavares was like fifth or something. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize he'd be that high because it feels like he never scores anymore. Right. But that line, whoever the third wheel is on that line with Tavares and Nylander, just the presence of those two guys should make it a much better line than it is right now. And I don't know if this is just some weird prolonged slump that they can snap out of um, and get hot for the playoffs. feels dangerous, I think, if you're a Leafs fan to depend on that happening, right? Mm. And maybe you just need to find whoever the perfect third is for that line. I'm not sure, but... I think it's a justifiable concern right now because they are essentially a one-line team. Um, 
but I would be more, I'm not as concerned about that. I would say, cause I think they have pretty good depth. They have a pretty good third line, pretty good fourth line. Um, I would be more concerned about the goaltending and just the overall defensive play when it comes to the playoffs. Um, yeah, that, that would be concern number three, you know, sort of the second line and beyond, beyond a uh, goaltending be concern number one. But I think, again, I think the most, the, the positive thing is there's still two months left in the season. If this was two weeks before the playoffs, I think it, sh- it would be deservedly full panic mode uh, on, on goaltending and just overall defensive play. Right. I, it's so funny. Like you guys, you know, I have a bunch of buddies who are Leaf fans and everyone that I talk to these days, they, the wins don't feel like wins. No, right? not at all. They call no, the la- the like the last go, two, yeah. the last two, it's almost concerning. Like if like a couple bounces here and there, their losses, and then the whole, whole Toronto radio system's freaking out. Right. Right. Like a buddy calls me this morning and goes, man, you see last night, that was brutal. I go, yeah, Austin Matthews scored a hat trick <laughs> and, and you won again, but that's, you know, that's the nature of this market and the passion of this market. And it's, Again, it's a viable concern because you look down the road and you see, okay, Tampa is not a bad and good example last night because they gave up seven, I think, to the Jets. But uh, Tampa in general just looks like more of a playoff team. And even Florida looks more like a playoff team right now than Toronto does. And that's a little bit scary. Is there anyone at the deadline that you can match up with this team? You think they kind of stay put or do you think there's someone that they got their eye on? I don't know, and I don't pretend to have any more information than the insiders. Uh, it's funny. The O-Dog, you know, has this romance with Josh Manson, and he has for, like, the last two years. When Josh Manson's name always sort of creeps into the deadline, but it was never really a realistic trade possibility until this year where Anaheim's trying to decide on if they can sign Lindholm. If they sign Lindholm, they'll trade Manson. If they don't sign Lindholm, maybe they'll trade Lindholm, keep Manson. I don't know, but uh, – I think he would be a really good fit in that decor. Um, and I don't pretend I don't watch every Anaheim game. You know, I probably watch 15 a year plus highlights. But uh, I think he'd be a good fit back there for sure. I think D should be the priority. You know, TJ Miller and all this stuff sounds nice, but that's pretty pie in the sky, I think. Although to the to uh, Eric's previous question, he might be the answer on the second line mm-hmm. if, you, if you were able to get him. But I'd prioritize a defenseman if I could get him. The goalie thing, man, that's tough as far as trades because, you know, even if you went out and got Marc-Andre Fleury, for example, he hasn't been that – he's been okay this year on a, you know, on an okay to poor team in Chicago. Uh, I, I just think getting a goalie at the deadline, I guess it gives you some security, but most of the guys you're out there getting on the market are as, are as iffy as the guys you have, I think, right? And so I think they're going to have to – sort of sorted out between those two guys that they have. Right. I want to transition to a more personal question about you in the industry was becoming a host, something that you wanted growing up or was it more, you wanted to be an insider and then (laughs) hosting just came naturally to you because like Brendan hosts our podcast. I know it's not an easy thing, but you make it look so, so easy. Uh, well, thank you. Um, I don't think anybody probably is born says I want to be a host. Uh, you probably play by play is the thing you probably dream about when you're a teenager in broadcasting, right? And I was like every other kid where I'd turn down the TV and and do play by play. And if you asked me this question when I was say 20, I probably said you know NFL play by play would be my dream job, right? I loved football. Uh, football and hockey was sort of one and one A to me, but I, I really loved football, and that's what it. 
And when I got to TSN, I, I, I ended up getting a job as a host and that's where I started, but I started drifting towards play by play. Nobody will remember this, but I had started to do play by play for CFL right before I got the hockey hosting job. And I can still remember my boss came up to my house to, to offer me the job. And I was kind of torn because man, I, I was just starting to do the play by play and really liking it. But when they offer you the job of hosting hockey in Canada, it's pretty hard to say no to that. Right. Yeah. And it and it was probably the right decision for me because I, I don't pretend that I necessarily would have been great at play-by-play. I, you know, I'll probably never know because I'm getting towards the back nine of my career and, uh, you know, maybe I'll take another dab at it, but I don't pretend that I have, you know, the, the Chris Cuthbert type call or anything like that. Uh, maybe I would have sucked at play-by-play and gotten fired, but uh, hosting just, I guess was what probably worked out best for whatever limited abilities I have. And, uh, and I got kind of got lucky to fall into it, really. So why don't we talk some football, James? Absolute blockbuster in the NFL yesterday. I'm sure mm-hmm. you know Russell Wilson going from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. What was your initial reaction to that trade? I was pleased because I'm a Niners guy. I don't know if you guys know that. Oh, okay. Uh, one of the few teams that I really still cheer for. It's funny, this job kind of sucks the fan out of you. Like, I'm not a Leafs fan or a Sens fan or a Jets fan or anything. Uh I just watch the games pretty much with just for entertainment's sake. Um, but the Niners is a team that I've stayed a fan of over the years. And so I was really happy to get him out of the division because he's killed us for the better part of a decade, really. Yeah. And uh, we played the Broncos, I think, once this year. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll see him once, but it beats twice in the division every single year. I say that's going to be really interesting to watch. The package was actually a little bit underwhelming. I know it sounds like a lot with, what was it, two first-rounders, two second-first-rounders players. Sometimes you hear those numbers, you go, wow, that's a lot of assets, but you start looking at them and you go, well, that guy's not that great, that guy's not that great. Second-rounders, you know, kind of a crapshoot. And they shedded cap space by trading those players as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's another under-talked about part of that trade. Yeah, absolutely. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a great deal for Denver. Obviously, that's held them back for, well, since Peyton retired. And uh, I think that division has become the division to watch uh you know you could argue that the niners seahawks rams uh uh division was the division this year maybe in football but that division the quarterbacks they have out in that division is is insane right now the fact that we get to watch mahomes and and wilson and Carr and so on and so on who am i missing san diego um san diego sorry old school football guy (laughs) i still Uh, do that all the time yeah (laughs) So that, that division is just going to be an absolute blast to watch. James, I had no idea you were a San Fran fan. The last couple of years, have you just been giving it to Hayes in the playoffs or what? Oh, yeah, nonstop. Like that was, <laughs> and I know a couple of Packers guys like Hayes, and this year was – that. I went on overdrive, I think, on that Monday, and that was a wonderful moment for me uh, mm-hmm. because they – yeah, that was, uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, I I'm felt a, glad that I, one year he was – in San Francisco, the one this, when San Francisco beat them by like thirty, they ran they the ball ran all like over them, yeah. ten yards a carry. Yeah, Hayes was so excited to get there. I actually did kind of feel bad for him, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did not, not for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you what do you make your boy Trey Lance? You think he's the future? I don't know, and that's the thing that concerns me. And uh, you know, Jimmy and I, Jimmy G and I had a love hate relationship, like I think Jimmy G had with most fans, but. I think in the end, you have to applaud what the guy did, especially this year, you know, and people could rip him all, 
always made mistakes down the end of the game. But the injuries he played with are nuts, right? Yeah, uh, he just had shoulder surgery. Like, he just Chris, got off the last Yeah, game. Chris Paul, the thumb thing, Chris Paul has the same uh, thumb thing and has been out, whatever, for a couple of months. And this guy was throwing, you know, dimes in the NFC Championship game. So, uh, I, I don't know. I didn't see a lot this year. You know, people are all excited about some leaked practice film of him making a couple of incredible throws. I don't know. And the thing that's that the only problem I have with it, look, obviously, look, obviously the Lynches and the Shanahan's of the world know more about football and talent than I do, and they must see something of them. So obviously you trust them over, over Gloucester High School cornerback James Duffy. But uh, I the one thing that concerns me is it will probably take a couple of years, right? I think it's a lot to ask the guy to be a star in year one as a starter next year. And the Niners, the rest of the Niners team is kind of built for right now. And, you know, those windows can close really quick. And so, I don't know, man. I, I That's the thing that bothers me. If he's like, you know, year three is going to be a potential star, but by year three – you know, we're losing a bunch of guys on the defensive side because of cap issues and so on and so forth. And that would be disappointing. And maybe Debo Samuel's best years are behind him already by then, right? Mm-hmm. So you've been lucky enough to work a few masters down in Augusta. Is there a specific one that sticks out to you? And what's the best part of just being at Augusta? Yeah, it's my favorite. I would say along with, uh, I mean, I love Super Bowl week. I love the World Juniors. Um, but the, the Masters is always one of my favorite weeks of the year because it's an amazing event. I can't believe I'm fortunate enough to cover it. And because it's kind of in Canada, you guys probably feel the start with me. It feels like the start of summer, so right? Yeah, start or, of spring. Yeah, exactly. Or the end, end of winter. Usually yeah. The play, usually the hockey playoffs are starting. The NBA playoffs yep. are starting. The Masters, it's gorgeous down in the Georgia. And you're getting your clubs out of the garage and all those kind of things. And so that, that's why I love it. And it's just such a spectacular place to be at. My favorite would have to be the obvious one, which was Tiger's win, whatever it is, two years ago now, three years ago. I've lost a chance of time. Yes. I guess it'll be three years in the, three years in the spring, right? Yeah. Um, that was just uh, a phenomenal moment. I so one of the tricks, the the things about the Masters, people always say to me, yeah, you know, where were you when this happened? And Unfortunately, most of the time on the back nine on Sunday, I'm like you watching on TV because it's just too hard a golf tournament to cover on the golf course, right? Uh, you just miss too much because there's no electronic scoreboards and you can't have your phone out there. So that day I walked the front nine with Tiger and uh, there was a moment he had a long, nobody will remember this, but he was way deep on nine and had a super long two putt, like 50 or 60 feet on a really tricky green and 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 made a two putt and i think he made the turn either tied for the lead maybe one back somewhere right there right and the electricity in that crowd as he walked from the ninth green to the tenth tee is something you know i've witnessed a lot of crazy crowds in sports but you it was like all of a sudden everybody figured out at the same time that tiger might actually do this and win the masters and you got like you know 60-year-old men and, and women screaming at the top of their lungs. And it was just, it was really surreal for me. It's funny, I, he walked right by us and Puffy, the guy I work with, uh, 
you know, in journalism broadcasting, you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be neutral, right? You're not supposed to say anything. Puffy got caught up on the moment Tiger walked by and he's like, you got this, Tiger! You got this! <laughs> like, Puffy, we work for TSN. You're supposed to do that. But, you know, I, I understood what he was feeling, right? Because it yeah. was just, the emotions there were incredible. So that was my favorite. And just being there, like you say, is it's unbelievable. I, I was fortunate enough to get to play. I guess five years ago now, uh, you guys may have heard there's a, a lottery on the Monday and about 20 members of the media get to play every year on the Monday. Oh, there's I never Sunday, knew that. Yeah. So there's Sunday pins and okay. you play off the club tees, which are the tees that Tiger won from in 97, but obviously the pro tees have been moved back. You know, some holes are 20 yards behind, some holes there are 80 yards behind, right? But mm -hmm. It is. Uh, I've never been more nervous on the first tee of a. <laughs> I uh, can uh, imagine. Yeah, it was. A, it was a spectacular, spectacular round. So, yeah, I'm incredibly lucky to get to go there every year. Have you ever been to Sawgrass? So I, I, the only time I was there, interestingly enough, was uh, the Super Bowl that was there in 2005. I think the Patriots beat the Eagles. The oh. year McNabb was puking in the house. Yeah. So, Ten-year-old me was pretty upset. Ten-year-old yeah. me was pretty upset. <laughs> uh, are you an Eagles guy? I'm a, yeah, I'm yeah, a Eagles Oh, I see. Fan. I see your yeah. jersey. Yeah. yeah. Um, your T-shirt. So, yeah. the uh, they always have a great media party at the Super Bowl, and they had the party at 17 at Sawgrass. So they had a big tent basically set up along 17, and everybody got to hit one ball off 17 T, and whoever got closest to the pin won like I think a car or 10 grand, and there's like you know three or four hundred media people there. And uh, it was freezing cold, by the way. It was like eight degrees or something. It was January in, in, in Florida, right? And I remember I hit a shot, and I thought it was Sunday pin placement, that back right. And I thought I was, like, bang on it. And I hit the wood, like, four feet right of the pin and went in the water. <laughs> but uh, that was the only time. I remember Hootie and the Blowfish played, and uh, John Daly was playing with Hootie and the Blowfish. So that's my only experience with at Sawgrass right now is a Super Bowl party of all things. So I wanna I wanna ask one more question quickly about the Super Bowls. Um, so you've been able to cover, like you said, you're at the 2005 one. You've been able to cover a bunch in your in your mm -hmm. lifetime. I want to ask you about 2017. Is there a specific, uh, just from the Eagles fan in me, is there a specific moment or memory or anything about that game that you remember? Um, I'm so bad with you. So that when you guys won, that was that the Minnesota Super Bowl. Was that Minnesota? yeah? It was Minnesota. Yep. Yeah, so the first thing, they all blend together because I've done like eight in a row now or something. So uh, the, the stadium, first of all, is what I remember. Like that was walking into that stadium. I guess the one now in L.A. might be nicer, but that was the coolest stadium I'd ever seen. And, you know, everybody, what was the, the Pats were, had to be what, eight-point favorites, ten-point favorites? I think they were six and a half. I could okay. be wrong. Yeah, you might, you might be right. It might have been more than that. So it was funny because I just remember watching that game thinking the whole time, kind of waiting for the Eagles to fall apart, right? So, and they kept going like slugfest back and forth and then the whole Philly special thing. And even when, when Brady got the ball the second to last time, because, you know, he had the last drive with like a minute left where they tried the Hail Mary, but they had the ball with like two and a half left. And I yeah. remember turning to Jesse Palmer and saying, like when the Eagles scored that touchdown to go ahead, um, I said, like, that's, that's, you know, we all said the same thing. It's too much time, right? They just yeah. lost the game by scoring with two and a half left. And I was still in shock right to the end when they, when they forced that fumble on that drive. And uh, I think that's one of, of all the Super Bowls I've been to, uh, 
That's one of my favorites because I, I grew to hate the Patriots because they were in every Super Bowl that I would go to. And, you know, I appreciate the greatness, but covering it, it gets boring Brady and Belichick every single year. So uh, that was – I'm not an Eagles fan, and that was a fantastic Super Bowl for me to watch them win because it was just such – you always cheer for the story, right? Yeah. And that was just such a fantastic story. Really appreciate your time today, James. We'll get out, get you out of here on one last question. Uh, you have a book, Hockey's Greatest Untold Stories. Is there a specific story in there you could tease our listeners with a little bit, try to get them out there, go oh, uh, purchase that so, book? So there's 50, I have a, 57 of them, I, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's, the book's called Beauties, the, the Hockey's Untold Stories. It's the second title, so you got it right. Uh, and so I'm not trying to plug the book by showing it. I just <laughs> No, uh, go for it. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't opened it in like a year now. Um, sorry, there you are. I lost for a second. Um, man, I'll, I'll just tell you a quick, I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, and I don't have a favorite. It's kind of like picking your favorite kid, right? Uh, it was such a pleasure to do because all I wanted to do was have people tell the kind of stories they'd tell you in a bar, right? And to have Sidney Crosby and Wayne Gretzky and, and Bobby Orr and guys like that tell me stories was, was really unbelievable as well as the guys I work with, like Bobby McKenzie's and stuff. But John Cooper, the coach of the Lightning, was probably like the fourth or fifth call I made because I know Coop for a long time. And uh, I wanted the stories to not just be about, you know, typical ice stories, like stuff that happened off the ice. So Cooper's story, without telling the entire story, when Coop was uh, coaching in Syracuse, uh, Dustin Tokarski, they had a big game in Binghamton that night. So Dustin Tokarski's his goalie. And Coop gets a call in the morning that he has to rush, come to the police station. Tukarski's at the police station. So he's like, oh, what's he done? He gets there. And what happened was Tukarski had been carjacked at knife point, And he was completely rattled. And this is the morning of a, of a big game. And, and there's a car chase. The cops are chasing the guy who stole his car down the highway. And so Tukarski has to stay at the station. So Guy Boucher was down because the lockout was on. And uh, so Guy Boucher says, I'll go, uh, I'll go with the team to Binghamton. You take care of Tukarski. And bottom line, they get delayed there all day. They catch the guy. Tukarski's car gets wrecked. He's all rattled. Cooper and Tukarski race to the game in Binghamton. They get there late, running across the ice during the national anthem. Coop says to Tukarski, you got to just stay in the dressing room. There's no way you're dressing for this. You got carjacked at night point, the most traumatic experience of your life. Sit in the dressing room. Uh, it's 5 nothing Binghamton, like 12 minutes into the game. And... The whole team is rattled because they know what's happened to Tukarski. So middle of the second period, uh, there's a brawl, a full-scale brawl. This is like Robin Leonard when he was in bingo and Mark Stone was there and all these guys. Yep. They had a good team. Rico Husalius was the goalie for uh, uh, Syracuse. So Leonard comes out and challenges uh, Husalius to a fight. So you get a full-scale brawl, a goalie fight. Husalius gets kicked out of the game. So now Coop's got no backup. So he has to get, go down the hall and get Tukarski to come in. Like, I don't know, eight minutes left in the second down, 5 nothing. Uh, bottom line, Syracuse scores six straight goals, wins in overtime. Tukarski makes like 25 saves and, 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 and wins first star of the game. And I, you know, he, Coop finished the story and I said, you know, that's the exact reason I wrote this book. Yeah. If you, you can have a story with a carjacking, a police chase, a goalie fight, and one of the greatest comebacks you'll see in hockey. That's exactly what I want this book to be. And, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully the stories are kind of like that. 
Wow. Everyone, make sure to go purchase that book for James, our boy. I actually put an order in last night. I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it. I think you guys will like it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to plug in before we go? No, no, I don't need to plug. Oh, watch Trade Center because God knows yeah. I'm going to be struggling for 10 hours. So I uh, appreciate <laughs> yeah. your support. And uh, Brendan, Eric, true pleasure to be on with you guys. Thanks a lot, man. That was James Dusty of TSN, and we will talk to you later.